0: Welcome to Rebellion Dogs Radio, a contemporary look at 12-step life and the wider world of addiction, recovery, and mental health. Now, with less dogma and more bite, this is episode 67, 67 Summer of Love, I hope we can channel some of that in this episode. The third year of the third decade of this millennium starts off with some AA controversy. My position on this controversy may also be controversial among dogs in our Rebellion Dogs community. Now let me start with a news peg. In the UK, the Daily Mail reports on January 1st, 2020, An Alcoholics Anonymous group is under threat after being censured from reciting the Lord's Prayer at the start of the meeting. The group in Somerset, England was told by leaders it has become too Christian focused and has been removed from the organization's online directory. Now, before I get started, I want to uh, dedicate uh, this episode to the memory of AA historian Arthur S. He died January 3rd, 2022. The loss of uh, Arthur creates a void of, uh, well, love and service that I hope we can collectively fill. Now, I didn't really know Arthur like a regular at my own home group, but I relied heavily on his scholarly contribution to the continuing saga of AA and addiction recovery history. Arthur, while capable and prolific, was clear not to speak for AA, while asserting that he had a personal interest in the history of AA and considered it imperative to correct historical inaccuracies and propagation of myth. Among other cornerstones, I have often referenced. In 2008, along with Glenn C., also recently passed, and Tom E., the three of them compiled AA recovery outcome rates, contemporary myths and misconceptions. Now, I've relied heavily on Art's contribution to the AA timeline. And the if you printed it, it would be 20,000 pages from AA History Lover's uh, website. Glenn C. had this to say, Arthur continued to be the researcher we all depended on to give us a reasoned answer to hotly debated questions backed up by impeccable sources. Now, this uh, news in the UK, um, the opening little bit of the uh, news peg I read, uh, it doesn't even touch on the group's digressions. Members in the group speak candidly about the light of Jesus being the one true path of AA recovery. I don't think I would enjoy this group so much. My preferences are not the issue. Plenty of meetings I do not like have been helping people find sobriety for years, and I hope they keep doing so. Who is right and who is wrong? Is the group wrong to not conform to what the General Service Office espouses are restrictions of inclusion for an AA group? Is GSO wrong for mistaking its role as holding governance when its sole purpose is to serve the needs of the AA groups. Right or wrong is not the salient point. AA values do not weigh on who is right and who is wrong. Who has the rights and who is subservient. This is more the point in AA culture. Picking aside a GSO or the Autonomous AA groups, it's a partisan issue, autonomy versus authority. It's come up in the past and I suspect it will come up again. I'm not looking to point fingers or find fault, not this time anyway, but what can be learned or better put, what can be relearned? We've been here before the suffering, hard feelings, and fallout in England are not over yet. If the answers are easily understood in our 12 concepts and 12 traditions, then why are these principles not front of mind? On a lighter note, maybe, um, maybe it's because they don't rhyme. And the seasons, they go round and round, and the painted ponies go up and down. We are captive on the carousel of time. We can't return, we can only look behind from whence we came, as we go round and round and round in the circle game. That's how Joni Mitchell put it. The calendar flips, the seasons change, AA cycles through a familiar cyclical pattern round and round and round. Again, AA finds itself in the news. So far, it's B-list news wires, fringe news sources, uh, thirsty for gossip and their cup runneth over here. How did that happen? Um, Here's what initiates the circle game that we create in AA. An AA group did something that repulses other groups. That's not news. A general service office feels concerned. Uh, That's not news. The general service office reacts. Now that is news. There are consequences to this action and unintended consequences to follow. As an aside to the religious rags and internet clickbait pushers. I called you B-list newswire outlets, and that's not meant as a diss. Uh, Now that Rebellion Dogs is weighing in, our special place would be in the universe of the D-list newswire, just strictly the dogs. I'm just saying BBC, Al Jazeera, CNN, they aren't interested in this story, not yet. And the painted ponies go up and down. Now, if you ask me if the Lord's Prayer is superstitious, yes, in my opinion. Are Christian prayers the best way to introduce a newcomer to AA? No, uh, not in this uh, date and time, not in my view. But there's an and, and I think the and is more important than the yes, I agree. A quick look at the yes and the and. The yes would be my preferences. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. No, I don't believe, as a atheist might, that a supernatural force weighs in when petitioned on one's continued sobriety or well-being. My belief is something different. I believe AA is more accessible and effective to more people without Abrahamic ideas of higher power. I'm not against religion. I'm not against people in AA expressing themselves in religious terms. I've seen for myself sincere theistic beliefs bringing comfort, lasting sobriety, and service to others. People I would be glad to have helping out, people I love in recovery. Theists dominate AA as a whole. They will do what is natural according to their programming, just like I do or anyone. Theists pray, and in meetings dominated by believers, they will pray in meetings. I'm non-theist. Their praying in their meetings isn't contagious, and it doesn't oppress me. It's not anti-AA, is it? The same rights apply to any other religious or secular expression of sincerely held beliefs, subtle or orthodox. My A group, not surprisingly, is made up of others who agree with my worldview. Non-believer is a bad term for someone like me who doesn't believe in gods. Let me tell you what I do believe. I believe the secret sauce or the mysterious AA ingredient that makes sobriety work where previous efforts failed. To us in our group, I would think, certainly to me, it's natural, not a supernatural phenomena. The agency is esprit de corps, the connection, experience, and shared purpose of the AA group. This agency aids my individual efforts to get and stay sober. My human will is not the enemy of sobriety, contrary to popular AA views that my will versus God will, that whole paradigm. Right thinking is an asset. As I see it, personal responsibility is learned and practiced by everyone who stays sober in AA, regardless of their worldview or beliefs. My beliefs are as sincerely held as my fellows in uh, Yeovil UK AA. I believe in the transformative power of AA, so do they. I'm not holding out for or depending on the intervention of any prayer-answering sobriety granting unworldly power or Messiah. They may. The members of their group, you know, they do what is sincerely felt, something they identify with. And if that's the path of Jesus, I'm okay with that. The big and, bigger than my preferences, I think, I don't think the Lord's Prayer evokes any God, but I have unconditional support for the UK AA group or any other AA group to conduct its affairs and run its meeting in a way that the members agree upon, no matter how unpopular their rituals may be, and regardless of how persuasive or dissuasive their posture, in the language of AA culture, always inclusive, never exclusive. Live and let live. When I say that in AA, it's more about who has the rights. Members in group rights are inalienable. Anyone talking about and certainly voting about the legitimacy of AA groups to which they are not a member uh, might not understand this inalienable thing. In higher power language, what God hath brought together, let no man put asunder. In secular terms, the right of alcoholics to meet in AA's name is not bestowed upon them by AA as a whole, other groups. Our rights as groups are inherent, not granted. Therefore, rules or voting by other AA's, can't or shouldn't constrain or repeal a group or a member's rights. No amount of disapproval or disgust can change that in terms of the way AA is set up unless you change AA. Within AA, there's no recognized means by which to punish or expel rogue groups or members. Now, if the members or groups violate uh the law of the land, that's quite another thing. Uh we AAs, precious as we may think we are, are constituents in a civilized world and we're governed and bound by the laws of the land. A group could unanimously vote to allow smoking inside their face-to-face meeting. That would uh enact uh Uh, Other things, like uh, local rules and landlord policies, for instance. For the purposes of this discussion, I'm thinking about issues strictly of importance to AA members, uh, not law enforcement issues. Setting aside, if we can, what you think is a better way to run an AA meeting or what I think, are there already guidelines to fall back on? if and when a central office or general service conference feels that a group or member has gone too far. Yes, it's clearly stated, and yes, we have precedent based on similar differences and their resolution. There are misconceptions about traditions, and I expect this is the root of how these problems repeat themselves. You know that expression? violating an AA tradition, as if AA traditions are rules and disobedience as consequences. If our 12 traditions were to be enforced, who would you suggest should enforce them? AA is not a popularity contest. To let the majority control the minority, AA would need to first upset the inverted triangle that illustrates the relationship between the groups and the service structure. The groups at the top of the inverted triangle, the wide part, very broad, all these different groups, that's the top of the service structure. Below are central offices and areas and the conference and so on and so forth. AA culture doesn't celebrate judging other AA members or groups as uh, being fully enlightened. It's not wokeness. As exhilarating as pointing out the faults of others may be, that's not what we call working our AA program. So the 12 steps and 12 traditions, along with AA's ethos of more attention on my side of the street I see traditions as being an inside job. It's a checklist to see how I am doing, taking my own inventory. How do I practice anonymity? Do I do my share to support AA, sort of seventh tradition? Do I offer my time? Uh, Do I pay my way? Do I place principles ahead of personalities? Do I respect the autonomy of other groups? Do I avoid public controversy, or at least bringing AA's name into it? So on. Further to self-examination, of course, our groups can take their inventory, not the other group's inventory. Traditions generously share the wisdom of the AA age. Lessons learned from missteps from our past. Is there anything in AA that is either forbidden or sacred Now, I've brought this up before. You and I can start forming a list. The AA musts and the AA must-nots. I'll make my list. You make yours. But would I agree with everything on your list? Would you agree with everything on my list? So the only rules a group must follow are rules it sets for itself based on what its group conscience said. If you're feeling that anarchy isn't your understanding of how AA works, you're not alone. This lawless liberalism is not how AA has been explained to you. I get it. Unforgettable adage to me about AA service structure and fellowship is this. There are no rules in AA and plenty of people to explain them to you. I've my own biases about how AA should and should not be, just like anyone might. But as for what the policy is when these AA differences or viewpoints arise, well, I wonder what the very last thing that the architect of AA wrote about this kind of stewardship. The General Service Office of AA the one in the news today in the UK, they voted uh, their fellow groups off the meeting list. Now, they might wanna ask the same question. What would Bill Wilson say about this? I suspect their unanimous decision might have exacerbated, instead of resolved, the problem of a group breaching the traditions. At the end of the 12 concepts is concept 12. You knew that, I know. But can you say it out loud from memory? I know, I can't either, that's harder. From the AA service manual, I've uh, got some notes here that we can go over. Uh, General warranties of the conference. In all its proceedings, the General Service Conference shall observe the spirit of AA tradition, taking great care that the Conference never become the seat of perilous wealth or power its sufficient operating funds plus an ample reserve, be its prudent financial principle, that none in the conference members shall ever be placed in a position of unqualified authority over any of the others, that the important decisions be reached by discussion, vote, and whenever possible, substantial unanimity, that no conference action ever be personally punitive or an incitement to public controversy that though the conference may act for the service of Alcoholics Anonymous, it shall never perform any acts of government. And like the Society of Alcoholics Anonymous, which it serves, the conference itself will always remain democratic in thought and action. Okay, so the fact that you can't memorize concepts and I can't either might be part of the problem. Practicing these concepts in all of our affairs can't be, it just isn't automatic. A lot of what will become AA controversies first seem like obvious answers to widely agreed upon problems and solutions. Then things go south on us. It wasn't as simple as we thought. A common clear understanding of our concepts could anticipate and avoid problems. But these principles are not front of mind when confronted with conflict. Why aren't the concepts easy to grasp? Did AA abandon its keep it simple when articulating the concepts? Well, simple compared to what? It's just more complicated running a fellowship than a home group or our own recovery program. Is it any wonder that in big book meetings, No one quotes concepts and their page numbers. Exactly. It's not the simple nursery rhyme prose of the 12 steps. Most of us do not read the warranties on our car until our vehicle won't start. AA's warranties are like that. It's comforting to know, hey, there's a guarantee. I'll read it later. We don't read the AA service manual until there's a problem. Then it's urgent. We get on the phone. Someone has some explaining to do. Why do I know a bit about the concepts? Well, uh, since I got started, I've been involved in the AA service structure from time to time, doing my tour of AA duty. After a few months of sobriety, I was moving from kitchen duty at my home group in Montreal to the group rep. Uh, Maybe I was group rep and still had to do the kitchen duty. I don't remember the details. But since then, I've been involved at districts and area and intergroups. I've been stagehand sound engineer or committee member for dances, events, held pretty much every position, a conference or public information committee might offer or other AA-type stuff. That's not why I know concepts. None of that compelled me to hit the books on the 12 concepts of World Service. Now, getting my group kicked out of AA, well, that piqued my interest. Maybe I would have learned these vital details earlier if the 12 concepts and service manual were more like uh, learning a new Joni Mitchell song. Actually, this just in, someone is doing something about our drab service manual. Have you seen the new, flashier 2021 to 2023 AA service manual? It looks like a study guide for a community college course or something more engaging than our previous editions of the service manual complete with the 12 Concepts of World Service. There's pictures, charts. Seriously, it totally exceeds my expectation. Hope it helps. Meanwhile, back in southwest England, Concept 12, Warranty 6, Could this have prevented their AA circle game from flaring up? Here's the flashcard version. See if you can find anything that might pertain to the Uber Jesus AA meeting or the Rule Enforcing General Service office. It is probably that we AAs possess more and greater freedom than any fellowship in the world today, too. We set such a high value on our great liberty and cannot conceive a time when they will need to be limited. Here we specially enjoin our General Service Conference to abstain completely from any and all acts of authoritative government, which could in any way curtail AA's freedom. 3. Our conference will always try to act in the spirit of mutual respect and love, one member for another. In turn, this sign signifies that mutual trust should prevail, that no action ought to be taken in anger, haste, or recklessness, that care will be observed to respect and protect all minorities, that no action should ever be personally punitive. That word love came about, summer of love, channel it. And four, our conference will ever be
1: prudently
0: on guard against tyrannies, great or small, whether they be found in the majority or the minority. Picture Bill Wilson standing before us, finishing these points. Hey, hey, you've been great. Good night. Cue the applause, yeah. mic drop, boom. That's the final word on the final page from the man who crafted 12 traditions, 12 steps before that, 12 concepts after that. So let's review this checklist of items. Did you see a list of exclusions or exceptions here? Uh, question number two: Do you see obligations that groups or members must meet or maintain to ensure their fitness for inclusion? Do you see the means in which to vet the groups, govern the groups, or expel groups? If you can't even remember what I just read, you can find it in the liner notes at RebellionDogsPublishing.com, episode 67. And if you could remember, as you were going through that list, if your answers were no, no, and no, well, I was O for 3, too. So, Joe, are you cherry-picking, borrowing authority from one Bill Wilson-ism while ignoring another? It seems our founder repeatedly maintained an unwavering position since 1946. Now, if you're reading something different, speak up, email me, fact-check me, call BS. I may be informed by incomplete information. I miss Art S. already. Accurate, well-cited AA information was what he offered to all of us in AA. And if you can fill the shoes, we need you now. But this we know as part of the AA record in AA Grapevine about the proposed and now adopted 12 traditions. Bill introduced the whole idea this way. I've taken some liberty on pronouns, sue me. An alcoholic is a member if they say so. That we can't deny them membership, that we can't demand from them assent, that we can't force our beliefs or practices upon them, that they may flout everything we stand for and still be a member. In fact, our tradition carries the principle of independence for the individual to such an apparent fantastic length that so long as there is the slightest interest in sobriety, the most unmoral the most antisocial, the most critical alcoholic can gather about themselves a few kindred spirits and announce that a new Alcoholics Anonymous group has been formed. Anti-God, anti-medicine, anti-our recovery program, even anti-each-other These rampant individuals are still an AA group if they think so. Now, Bill W. does not control us from the grave. He is but one voice. We can run this AA fellowship any way we choose. Collectively, a substantial majority in agreement, we can run AA into the ground. Bill won't come back and stop us, will he? Individually, central offices, they can go rogue too. That's part of the AA circle game. We AAs can consciously object to the guidance of the service manual. We can ignore and forge our own path. Like anything AA-ish, these are meant to be suggestions only. I'm not intentionally name-calling or... Uh, I don't want to sound like I'm telling the UK General Service Office what to do. I'm not trying to rescue a faraway group from an angry, hasty or ill-informed service structure either. I, I just see this as a learning opportunity again or a relearning opportunity. Everything I've described about AA, I can see that this is a local issue for the local members to sort out what I have to say. Yeah, isn't so important. But maybe we should all try to play from the same playbook. When I read that a well-intentioned, trusted servant justifies their action in the press by acting in accordance to AA 12 traditions, I'm compelled by my programming to invoke the Princess Bride, Inigo Montoya Classic, and say that, you keep using this phrase, I do not think it means what you think it means. My understanding, crazy as it sounds, is that if the groups are wrong, they have the right to be wrong. Again, is AA stewardship about who is right and who is wrong? Or is it who has the rights? And then who is in the service of those who have the rights? In 1946, I don't think Bill Wilson was uh, prophesizing, thinking about what would happen in South Somerset or Toronto or Des Moines or Indianapolis, etc., etc. I'm sure his cautionary warning was more practical. It seems to me that Bill W. was drawing on AA's first 11 years of their own circle game growing pains. Groups were already, with good intentions... Going on rulemaking benders, so his liberty of anti-our recovery program—that's a—that's pretty broad, and this broken record of trouble in paradise with our what should be always inclusive, never exclusive AA. This is what beyond belief agnostics and free thinkers group and the we agnostics group in Toronto were dealing with in 2011 when the uh, Greater Toronto Area AA intergroup at the general meeting, uh, they accepted a motion to have these groups removed from the directory. And anti-agnostic atheist AA lobbyists were organized and motivated to save AA from uh, the transgressions that was Uh, taking love and tolerance too far. That's not what we meant. The same thing was going on with groups in Indianapolis, we agnostics there, and their central office, and meetings around the country and the world. I've written about that before. Check RebellionDogspublishing.com for more on that. If, you know, you want the juicy gossip. Toronto's big book enthusiasts were angry and afraid, and I understand that. They thought that the simple majority of votes uh, that they had secured already could rescind another group for the good of AA, of course, and for the delicate and impressionable newcomer. That's always who we're acting in, accord, you know, in the interests of. <clears throat> of course. Our group included non-conference approved literature in discussion and on our library table, guilty. We borrowed secular interpretations of AA's 12 steps, and we collectively wrote our own and read them at our meeting, guilty. And as for taking God out of AA, well, we did express more the practical aspects of AA recovery. People with doubt and disbelief were not discouraged, However, we weren't mounting a War on Belief in Supernatural Intervention a la Higher Power Campaign. We were just doing our own thing. And in unabashedly offering this secular view of AA, in our own experience and words, we felt entitled to also being rights-bearing equals along with the more compliant and more uniformed AA groups. Even if you were inflexible about a view that we were on AA, so we're wrong. How is that any business of your group or anybody else's? At least in Bill Wilson's view of anti-AA, these rampant individuals are still an AA group. If they say so, who's right, you or Bill Wilson? (laughs) I mean, isn't it his program? You're trying to defend and support? Well, let's look at how he created it, what it stands for. So we have my first-hand experience in the AA Circle game. I see this round-and-round pattern going on again today. One painted pony rising, one painted pony falling. While the worldview of this season's offending group is in the opposite camp of my home group, the discriminatory tone is unoriginal. The angry majority, back then they told atheist agnostic groups like mine, why do you even want to be an AA? Why don't you go start your own fellowship? You know, AA never intended to be all things to all people. AA comes with God. Take it or leave it. Now, an invitation to leave the lifeboat of AA That's at least phrased more politely, but it comes from the same bigotry as go F yourselves. It's rooted in the same prejudice and intolerance. Let us never call kicking out another AA group diplomacy. Let's not call it stewardship. And now, while this religious AA group is facing the same double-talk nonsense in the UK... I hear some of my friends joining a chorus of, well, if they want Jesus and the 12 steps, why don't they go join Celebrate Recovery or Alcoholics Victorious? These are Christian-based peer-to-peer groups. Of course, we all have the right to leave AA and do our own thing. They can go join another fellowship if they see fit, but they can also stay. That's an inalienable right also. Or... Uh, Bill Wilson didn't use the word inalienable. He liked freedom under God. Okay. Means the same thing. We can also, if we choose as groups, when other groups disprove of us, we can stay and expect love and tolerance of others is our code to be obeyed as our code. <laughs> Do we have another code? <laughs> you know, tell me what that is. We inherited an AA community where they had given careful considerations to service structure and the idea of group oversight, and they rejected that. How could rules be enforced or rights removed from a group in violation of the traditions? The group, like its members, Has the right to be wrong. Bill W. was a pioneer and he thought like a visionary. And that's how he saw it. We're followers. We think like adherents. Are we adherents more inclined to, you know, by the nature of our programming, to fear change and seek authority more so than pioneers? We are captive. On the carousel of time. We cannot return. We can only look behind from where we came. Now, I read this month's headlines from the UK, and I found myself reflecting back to when it was freethinker groups that our more religious members wanted to kick out. With this Christian group being treated in the same way, it seems like. A.A. has Goldilocks syndrome. This meeting is too liberal. This meeting is too conservative. We insist on everyone's A.A. being just right. This circle game is a formula for disunity, not unity. We can look behind from whence we came even further and see even more trouble with finger pointing. This next little bit is what was on AA's mind in 2004, April, May, 2004, Box 459, GSOs, News and Notes, uh, they reprinted this. (laughs) So they were sort of in this zeitgeist, and this actually came from uh, Bob P., who, um, if you didn't know, he wrote this in uh, the 80s. And he was someone who knew Bill Wilson, who worked side by side with Bill Wilson. Uh, A lot of us slip into assuming what Bill Wilson meant when he said blah, 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 that we know the unspoken, much clearer and well-defined truth of our founder. I'm guilty of that. I've done that. What Bill meant was blah, blah, blah. How do I know I wasn't there? But instead, we can hear from someone who actually was there. Some of us in AA heard Bob P. speak these words at the 1985 World Convention of AA in Montreal's Olympic Stadium. And he said it again in his farewell speech to uh, the General Service uh, Conference, and that was recorded in 1986. In part, he said, I echo those who feel that the fellowship, if it ever falters, or fails, it will not be because of outside causes. It will simply be because of us. It will be because we have too much fear and rigidity and not enough trust and common sense. If you were to ask me, what is the greatest danger facing Alcoholics Anonymous today? I'd have to answer, the growing rigidity that is so apparent to me and many others. The increasing demand for absolute answers, to nitpicking questions, pressure for GSO to enforce our traditions, screening alcoholics at closed meetings, and in this trend towards rigidity, we are drifting further and further away from our co-founders. Bill, in particular, must be spinning in his grave for I remind you that he was perhaps the most permissive person I ever met. One of his favorite sayings was every group has the right to be wrong. He was maddeningly tolerant of his critics, and he had absolute faith that faults in AA were self correcting. So, uh, UK GSO. Do you see your expulsion of a member group in this story? Are, are you the hero taking on the difficult task of being the agent of AA self correctingness? If you hear no more about this and pieces found in the valley, well, I guess you're right. But if you have caused more animosity, than unity? If people are hurt and conflicted, will self-correcting actually take place in the future? Uh, Will your next move be practicing your own step 10, continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it? I said it before, I'm not telling you what to do. If you have improved on Bill Wilson's AA stewardship, he'd be happy. I'm watching. I'll learn from you. Our lessons learned in Toronto included unintended consequences. One could say the results were the opposite of the intended cure to rid AA of the threat posed by our group, Secular AA Voice. You see, in May 2011, the Greater Toronto Intergroup kicked out two groups, and they were the only, not the first two, but they were the only two active groups, secular agnostic atheist groups, in all of Canada at the time. And by the time these two groups were welcomed back into the AA fold. They actually found time to kick out a new group that had started, widening our gateway. But by the time this was all resolved and they became rights bearing equals, well, by then there were over 30 secular AA groups in Canada. There were a dozen or more in the Toronto area. And from our Pacific coast on Vancouver Island, to our Atlantic shores in uh, Dartmouth and uh, Halifax, uh, there were meetings in almost every province. There are now uh, Francophone Secular AA meetings, Les Libres Penseurs. Of course, today, Secular AA is as matter of fact as women's meetings, young people's meetings, LGBTQIA plus meetings. Not everyone likes them, but no one questions their legitimate AA-ness. The UK story has more similarities than differences to our own. This time it's a Christian fundamentalist group, not godless heathens that is being singled out and scapegoated. But the principles remain the same. While praying in Jesus' talk may have disrupted some or disturbed others, That's not what made news. The clickbait came from GSO disenfranchising their group. And now we found ourselves in public controversy. (laughs) We tried to fight the digression from AA traditions by digressing from AA traditions. Tell me this won't make the rounds on social media. The Christian News magazine headline reads, Are you kidding me? Cancel Culture Now Attacks Alcoholics Anonymous Group. Oh, that'll make its rounds. In Christian Today, uh, they quote an AA trustee. Tom Fox, a non-alcoholic trustee of Alcoholics Anonymous, says the Yaoville group was removed because it was using non-AA approved material and had presented Christianity as the only route to recovery. Alcoholics Anonymous is not a Christian organization. Many of its members, including myself, are Christians. But we've got members who are Muslim, Jewish, Hindu, and of no faith, he said. It is an organization that recognizes the value of spirituality. People pray at every meeting, according to... Tom Fox, and the meetings end with the Serenity Prayer, according to Tom Fox. People may also use the word God as they understand it. But it's not accurate to say that AA diverted recently from its Christian traditions because, as the preamble makes clear, we are not associated with any particular denomination or sect, but rather welcome people from all backgrounds, nor is it accurate to suggest that our acceptance of a variety of different religions is a new thing because it isn't. (sighs) Tom Fox, if you're being quoted correctly, you're making maybe a case for who is right and who is wrong. You, may, but you might be right, <laughs> yeah, but you might have still gotten it wrong. I, I'm just saying, would you agree that it might have been helpful to look at who has the rights? What Bill W. appears to be saying is that experience shows that uh, rule-resistant alcoholics, they don't want to be told what to do. I don't like being told what to do. I can confirm that that is a fact. (laughs) I've learned in life and in recovery to grow from criticism and to accept helpful advice. Still, inside AA, I expect to be heard, not told. Have you ever heard the expression, if we want GSO's opinion, we'll give it to them? I'm half joking about that. Communication with the service structure is a two-way symbiotic relationship. But doubling down on an already dubious act of stewardship, speaking to the press, representing AA, we find ourselves in the crosshairs of a worldwide controversy now, AA versus Christianity. So, is Tom Fox wrong? Some would disagree with him, some will criticize, but I know or I suspect that he is, his service to AA is from a place of love love for AA, love for us. And the Christians that sincerely believe that not only is adherence to Jesus Christ the best route to salvation from alcoholism, I'm sure they believe, sincerely believe, based on their programming that that's what the founders of AA intended. That's what was implied. They're only doing what they've been taught. Oh, by the way, Tom, not every AA meeting includes prayers or spiritual, not religious, higher power talk. Anytime you or I start a sentence with, and I've done it too, Alcoholics Anonymous is this or that. No matter how we finish the sentence, A, there isn't universal agreement that our view is uh, agreed upon by all. And B, you or I give the impression that AA is top-down like it's McDonald's. McDonald's closely guards the menu options and the atmosphere of every McDonald's restaurant. What we are is more akin to a collective of independent eateries. Many of us offer various um, menus. Some of them are familiar. Some of them are a little niche. Some of them are upscale. Some of them are street vendors. Some are familiar. Some are unusual. AA is the groups. That's what AA is. AA is 120,000 plus different groups. All run 120,000 different ways. They're at the top of this inverted triangle, the big wide part. And each group is a little bit different. One secular group might find another secular group's rituals unbecoming. And a big book study group might disparage another big book study group rituals or format. Tom was quoted as saying AA is blank, but each meeting, just like each individual, is different. As individual as our fingerprints. AA is united groups of widely different interpretations of what the AA message is. We talk about the AA message like we all agree on it. I don't think we do. Every group does what it does, hoping and believing that its style will best serve its members and newcomers. And not one of our groups doing all these different things has kept 100% of our members sober or gotten 100% of the newcomers sober. So let's keep trying new things, strange as they may seem. AA stays vital by widening our gateway, not restricting it. Uh, Tom might have thought Bob P. was reading his mail and listening in on his conversations because... What Bob P. was hearing from the masses, Tom P. might have been uh, feeling the pressure of the opinions of others, of rigid, conservative, afraid members. These are AA conditions that I'm sure have always been here and maybe always will. Is there one thing that every AA group does worldwide? Maybe and maybe not. The reasonable doubt at the existence of even one unified practice, well, that should discourage any of us from speaking about AA as one format, one ethos, or one practice. Nothing's mandated. The autonomous meetings are at the top of AA structure, the service below. Servants, not governance. (laughs) We run the risk of uh, cancel subculture. I could see the fundamentalist groups wanting to cancel the secular groups for watering down AA with all their God optional orthodoxy optional promises. Liberal groups want to cancel our more religious members from praying uh, or, you know, just discontinue printing the big book. Um, But pray to gods or doorknobs. Do your thing. But I can also see how more liberal groups can see that holding hands and praying stuff as exacerbating stereotypes of AA that aren't encouraging people to try us out. I don't think it's true, but I can see how people would come to that conclusion. Bill Wilson was not worried about these squabbles, or if he were, he was more worried about how long an AA based on uniformity instead of unity could or would last. Now, as for this swerving learning curve of uh, my own intolerance, uh, let me quickly <laughs> tell you some of my more embarrassing you know, intolerant behaviors. I remember moving from Montreal to Calgary in 79, sober two plus years. The Calgary AA culture was quite different from Montreal. How would I stay sober in this second rate AA? That was my first impression. How did they stay sober with meetings being run all wrong? I completely forgot that the Montreal meetings, when they were new to me, I felt uncomfortable and I hadn't given the AA meetings in Calgary half a chance. I was pretty judgy, and I was wrong. Yes, my nostalgia for an AA that worked was legitimate, but so was the way they were running Calgary AA. I moved to Toronto five years later, I hadn't learned a thing, went through the same experience. Is this any way to run a meeting, you Torontonians? Huh, well, you're lucky I'm here. And none of them asked me how to run their meeting either. So I live in a glass house. I'm not throwing stones. I can't. I spent some time fact-checking and fault-finding big book fundamentalism, listening to tapes, writing down what I thought they said, but that was wrong or causing a decline in AA membership. I did all that. I felt that there was no future in making a 1939 book sacred. I really wanted them to save time and see it my way to save AA. (laughs) I spent a lot of time doing what I thought was fighting the darkness for everyone's benefit, of course. Being raised in baby boomer young people's AA, I had 60s and 70s hippies for mentors they had a very non-authoritarian way of explaining AA. That's what got me sober. That's what my groove was. In the 90s, I started secretly feeling disappointed with the youth today. They were doing it differently, and I felt they were doing it wrong. They were total big book thumpers. They were a like explaining and apologizing for the big book. Well, it says this, but it really includes you. <laughs> now, hold my hands while we pray. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I just, I couldn't get it. Um, hadn't they watched Star Trek The Next Generation? This generation of young people all sounded like the Borg. You must assimilate. Resistance is futile. Why were they not embarrassed? Well, turns out I embarrassed myself. Sometimes I try to be a good example of how much better AA could be my way. Not a single youth asked me to come to their business meeting and explain what they were doing wrong. But this generation, they weren't baby boomers. They had different programming and they were reacting and coping to a different time. So, why would they do it the way I did it? Fashions change. Sometimes they cycle around and draw upon cl- classic motifs. Sometimes they blaze new ground. All of these AA ways that I found fault with have scores of good examples of AA recovery. And all of those good examples prove me wrong. Looking back now, I laugh at myself. Ha, ha, ha. I have not outgrown a sense of what's right and what's wrong, but I do less fighting the darkness and try to focus more on just shining a light. If I'm right, well, my home group will be attractive to others and that'll prove itself. And if the other groups, if they're also right, their AA will be attractive and prove itself. If anyone is getting it horribly wrong, somehow natural selection or a loving God as he expresses himself in our group conscience, if you prefer, that will support the strong and repurpose the weak. It'll all work out without interference. I wasn't there at the time, but I am sure when AA was just two meetings, the Akron group sounds like it was employing very different practices than the New York group. Each group helped some and fell short with others. Wouldn't it have been better? Wouldn't it have improved the odds if both places had, you can go to this meeting, you can go to that meeting? We attribute AA evolution to resentment in a coffee pot, but it's more complicated than that. Many of our members get sufficiently frustrated with AA wrongness that they form new communities with new narratives about addiction and recovery. You know, there are scores of 12-step variations, but Life Ring, that morphed out of SOS, which was, you know, one guy and a few fellow like-minded people moving away from AA in the eighties. Smart recovery grew out of rational recovery, Dharma recovery, more from refuge recovery, and now both of these Buddhist base eightfold path, ways to recovery, these communities are both strong. Women for sobriety, she recovers, teen addictions anonymous, wellbriety, the red road to recovery, IPAN, and there's more. Every group has some success, with some testimony of people who say, the other place didn't do it for me, and I'm happy, joyous, and free now. I'm content and useful. And here I'm talking about joining a group is the only way to get sober. Not everyone joins a group to find sobriety, but maybe nobody gets sober alone. Some research suggests that some of us need support by joining a group, but some of us already have pretty good, pretty rich recovery capital. They have a supportive family and or a supportive work environment and or social health care and network resources to lean upon. Uh, you know, there's many roads that lead to Rome, uh, many ways to get sober. Well, it's nice to look at a broader recovery community and see that Some of these life-affirming groups were spawned from our AA microaggressions that drove them out. Can we do better? How can the hard-learned lessons of AA's past be more front of mind when you or I start pointing our finger at what we, and any reasonable person, would identify as a transgression that has to be purged like cancer? Maybe we need to find a more effective way of telling these stories. Joni Mitchell's The Circle Game rhymes, and it's easier to remember than Concept 9, for example. AA keeps adjusting our literature. Our other AA members are doing research, learning about history. They're writing plays. Thank you, Jackie B. Publishing books, writing songs, or creating fine art. Uh, All of these things will resonate with us in a way that uh, (laughs) history books won't or podcasts won't. There's even this newly illustrated AA service manual, but still these alternate mediums uh, are going to reach people that um, our new service manual won't. It's been said before, and let's... Go out with our favorite prophet or scoundrel, depending on your AA politics. In his naughty Victorian way of speaking, here's Bill W. reporting on the AA Circle game. So long ago that there was no Zoom AA, no Snapchat. Oh, these poor barbarians. Now, you'll find it there at AA.org. It's a uh, pamphlet, I think, A17, P17. And uh, we'll have a link to it at RebellionDogsPublishing.com, episode 67, Summer of Love. The way our worthy alcoholics have sometimes tried to judge the less worthy is as we look back on it rather comical. Imagine if you can, one alcoholic judging another. At one point or another, most AA groups go on rule-making vendors. Naturally enough, too, as a group commences to grow rapidly, it is confronted with many alarming problems. Gossips gossip and righteously denounce the local wolves and red riding hoods. Newcomers argue that they are not alcoholics. Not at all, but they keep coming around anyway. Slippies trade on the fair name of AA in order to get themselves jobs. Others refuse to accept all the AA-12 steps of our recovery program. Some go still further, saying that the God business is bunk and quite unnecessary. Thank you, Jim Burwell. Under these conditions, our conservative program-abiding members get scared. These appalling conditions must be controlled, they think, else AA will surely go to rack and ruin. They view with alarm for the good of the movement. At this point, the group exerts the rules and regulations phase. Charters, bylaws and membership rules are excitedly passed and authority is granted committees to filter out undesirables and discipline the evildoers. Then the group elders, now clothed with authority, commence to get busy. Recalcitrants are cast into the outer darkness. Respectable busybodies throw stones at the sinners. As for the so-called sinners, they either insist on staying around or else they form new groups of their own or they join a more congenial and less intolerant crowd in their neighborhood. The elders soon discover that the rules and regulations are not working very well. Most attempts at enforcement generate such waves of dissension and intolerance in the groups that this condition is presently recognized to be worse for the group's life than the very worst that the worst ever did. After a time, fear and intolerance will subside. The group survives unscathed. Everyone has learned a great deal. So it is that few of us are any longer afraid of what the newcomer can do to our AA reputation or effectiveness. Uh, Those who slip, those who panhandle, those who scandalize, those with mental twists, those who rebel at the program, those who trade on AA's reputation. All such persons seldom harm an AA group for long. Some of these have become our most respected and best loved. Some have remained to try our patience, sober nevertheless. Others have drifted away. We've begun to regard these not as menaces, but rather as our teachers. They oblige us to cultivate patience, tolerance, and humility. We finally see that they are only people, maybe sicker than the rest of us, that we who condemn them are the Pharisees whose false righteousness does our group the deeper spiritual damage. Perhaps this trend signifies something much deeper than a mere change of attitude on the question of membership. Perhaps it all means that we are losing our fear of those uh, violent emotional storms, which sometimes cross our alcoholic world. Perhaps it bespeaks our confidence that every storm will be followed by a calm, a calm which is more understanding, more compassionate, more tolerant, than we ever knew before. As AA historians like Arthur S. slip away, like Glen C. before him and Ernie Kurtz in 2015, who, who's gonna step up? It's not all about what happened way back then. I, I hope we can all record our meetings and AA communities' goings on, our challenges and our triumphs. I'll miss you, Art. I'd also like to extend my best wishes to South Somerset Group and everyone who's been affected by that in the UK. Best of luck with your circle game. We always go out with a song. This time it's uh, Connor Gaines. He's got a song about uh, lightning. It's about, you know, the uh, ups and downs of being intensely in love and now it can strike like lightning. You know, these ups and downs, this intensity, that can come from feeling connected. It can also come from feeling rejected. This song about lightning is from my IndyCan radio vault. It's a fairly recent Ontario Canadian-produced singer-songwriter. It's their offering that I hope uh, will say if words fail. (laughs) what needs to be said. To all involved in the ups and downs in the UK, peace out. I hope everyone aligns safely. Visit Rebellion Dogs Publishing for past blogs, links, resources, other little history of AA things, and our larger recovery uh, and addiction community in Century 21. Of course, some other gems from the past. This is Connor gains with Lightning.
1: I tried, but we fight. Nothing ever seems to turn out right. Turned down, and, up. and every part of me was out of touch. And your light was too bright. You wanted the day, but I got is better than We're getting too far away Cause your touch, it haunts me Every time you leave me here lonely You're lightning and I'm thunder It seems I'm always right there behind you The storm is under blue skies You disappear soon as the rain strikes